0: Do you know
1: the secrets of making friends?
2: They are so simple and easy. The
1: Coffee Clatch Podcast. Welcome back to the Coffee Clatch Crew Westworld episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino.
2: I'm Christina Lomangino.
1: Season finale!
2: (laughs) Yeah, today we're reviewing episode 110, The Bicameral Mind. Directed by Jonathan Nolan, written by Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. This was a 90-minute season one finale.
1: 90 minutes on a Sunday night with pausing and rewinding and taking notes.
2: (laughs) It was a long one. This review is probably going to be long. We'll move through it as quick as we possibly can, but there is a lot of information to unpack.
1: And if we miss anything, let us know. And uh, during the bonus, we'll try to go over it again.
2: We'll talk about this more later on. But as you know, we always do a bonus episode following the season so we can wrap up any information we missed and talk about some fun extras. For episode 10, IMDb gave it a 9.9 and Rotten Tomatoes a 92%.
1: Okay, so IMDb went up. Rotten Tomatoes went up from last one, but they're not as high up as they used to be. Correct. I wonder if they got like flack for it or something.
2: There were actually only a couple of episodes on IMDb this season that were lower than this. Episodes two, three, and four, they were not big on. Mm -hmm. They got a nine, 8.8, and 9.1. But after that, we stayed pretty consistently high. I don't know about you. I loved this finale. It was almost all that I could hope for. I could barely keep track. It was so fast-paced.
1: And in our notes, we write down from scene to scene in bold, like who's in the scene. And I have so many scenes. It's insane.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Let's start out with our title. We did speak about this a little previously, but it is so important to the episode, The Bicameral Mind. The term itself was coined by Julian Jaynes, who talked about this idea in his 1976 book, The Origin of Consciousness. It discusses a psychology theory that says the human mind once assumed a state where cognitive functions were divided between two parts of the brain, one that appears to be speaking and a second part which listens and obeys.
1: Which is exactly what this episode was about.
2: It was the main theme of the host. We find out this was Arnold's real purpose. And we sort of knew that, that the host would eventually come to hear that second voice inside of their head as their own. Mm -hmm. and really awake to a full consciousness. And I love that it answered the questions we've been bringing up all season about Dr. Ford. We couldn't quite put our finger on why he seemed to be the guy that did want to promote consciousness and Mm -hmm. bring these beings into creation, and then it flip-flopped as we went along. Yeah, He really was trying to continue with Arnold's work, and he still is. In fact, he thinks he can do it better than Arnold could have ever hoped for.
1: I think he didn't want to continue with Arnold's work. For many years Mm -hmm. and it was uh, weighing on him and that the more he got to know what's going on, he got to see Arnold's theory or Mm -hmm. Arnold's feelings and then we'll go over it later. But he realizes what Arnold's theory was lacking and how he could fix that and do it better.
2: Absolutely. And some of that was his new idea would take time just in and of itself. The host would need time in order for it to evolve and come to a place where it could develop. All right, a last note. We had quite a few music titles for this episode. We had Reverie, the song we've heard many times before, playing Mm -hmm. while Dolores is assembled in the beginning and later when she shoots Arnold. Nocturnes by Carlo Balzaretti, and that's the song that the host is playing on the player piano in Ford's office. Mm. Candy Castle by Glass Candy played on the tech's earphones. String Quartet Number 13 played during the Delos Gala celebration. And then you have three by Ramin Jawadi. Bicameral Mind, which played while Dolores was in the old workshop. Exit Music, which played while Ford gave his speech to the gala. And Violent Delights, which was while Armistice cut through her
1: own arm. Oh. <laughs> which is a crazy scene. Also, we are happy to say that a lot of our theories did come true.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Which is great, and we will go over that But real quick with fun facts, I just have three of our listeners uh, wrote to us on Twitter and I thought these were great. Well, this one's not so great because I messed up. (laughs) It's great of Philly Nuts. So at Philly Nuts wrote, Jason, Back to the Future 3 was the Western. 2 is our present day. Cubs won the World Series and Biff Tanner is our president. Mm. So I fucked up. I do this. That's a small one. Yeah. Thank you, Philly Nuts. WAFA won. Wrote, the third person in the Arnold Ford photo is Ford's creepy replica host dad.
2: Yep. Hashtag We got a few write-ins about that one. Yeah, we did.
1: And I think that was a case of we were taking such copious notes on other sections that we didn't even give that much enough time. (laughs) And then when I looked at a picture, I was like, oh, yeah, duh. So sorry about that. Um, And I think it was Philly Nuts that said he was screaming at his car radio when we were talking about that?
2: Yeah, so we got a couple other write-ins about that, though, and one of the interesting ones said, was this Ford's father possibly while he was alive? So I think we would have gotten more proof of that. It's probably once he was built into a host, but just something to think about.
1: Pardon, it was at Claudio Golia, who said he was listening to the cast and was screaming at his phone yelling, it's Ford's dad, nearly crashed the car. So sorry about that. (laughs) And lastly, at Chris26chen... Ten wrote, at CKC Podcast, the host Ford was building in the basement, was it himself? <gasps> so this is in regards to this episode, and I thought that was deep.
2: I love that theory. I never even thought about that, and we had talked about all season long the possibility of Ford being a host. Yeah, He had an ultimate plan for where everything was going, we see in this finale. Mm-hmm. He was being taken out by plan, by design, and perhaps by the reason he was so comfortable with that is because he knew he was building himself in host version to come back.
1: And also like as a show, do you really want to get rid of Anthony Hopkins?
2: That's <laughs> the only reason I think that he could be gone gone for good. It's oh, because really? it is Anthony Hopkins and there has been some speculation that he's not going to stay on the show for all 5 seasons. Oh. So, who knows? I would love it if he wasn't or if at least he came back for a few episodes next season. Either way, this was an amazing performance from him in this episode. I also wanted to bring up two quick things. We had a few Clatchers writing in about Maeve and why she set the fire in order to get Mm. back to Mesa Hub. I guess I was thinking in my mind that in the last episode when she was with Felix and Sylvester, they had already taken her upstairs to behavior to shut down the explosive that's in her C6 vertebrae. I wasn't thinking about the fact that they already mentioned she would need a full rebuild in order to do that. And we haven't seen her be fully rebuilt. So a bunch of people wrote in and said, that's the reason. And in fact, we did see that happening in this episode.
1: That takes some confidence knowing that you'll be put back together correctly. But I guess Felix and Sylvester were aware that she was going to be doing that. And they were waiting for her.
2: Seemed to be, although Sylvester didn't really appear to be too careful with how he's putting those vertebrae back in there before yeah, the it rebuild. A little jacked I don't up. know if I would trust myself to him. And then just as a general comment, we got a write-in from Paige asking us about how we decide the things we're gonna talk about on this podcast. And maybe we're missing the mark on certain universal truths that other podcasts seem to agree on, such as last week it was that Dolores is Wyatt. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we do see that that's happening in this episode. So the thing is that we did talk about the possibility of Teddy being Wyatt, which was certainly a factor up until last time, of Dolores being Wyatt, or perhaps Wyatt was never really somebody that existed at all. Mm -hmm. It's not that they were merged characters or they became somebody else, but rather this was a narrative that was downloaded into one or more hosts to bring up feelings of guilt over this tragedy that had happened, either to draw them back to Escalante or push them away from it. And when it comes to our podcast in general, we do... Read many articles each week. We listen to other podcasts that talk about Westworld, although we try to wait to do that until we're done recording. Yes. The theory behind this is that we really like to come in here with fresh ideas and opinions. We love when our theories wind up being right. We like to talk about theories as much as anybody else, but we want it to be a natural discussion, like you're yeah. listening to friends talk about the show and figure things out as we're recording. And we also like to wait until we see some sort of evidence or proof on an episode itself in right. order to talk about a theory. Otherwise, we would just kind of be going down rabbit holes all episode long. Yeah, or
1: going over what Reddit already talked about, which is not fun. Right.
2: Or what a million other podcasts are yeah.
1: talk about. So we discuss it amongst ourselves, uh, Christina and myself, Mm -hmm. while the show's going on, and then we take notes while it's going on, and we let it sit in our brain. And then oftentimes while Christina's speaking about the scene, something will pop in my head and we just start talking about it. And that's the fun of this podcast. But we actually did broach that concept organically last week. Yeah. When I was talking about how Teddy first pictured himself killing other Union soldiers yeah, And killing the captain. And then when he realized that he was killing normal people, Wyatt wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you said that Dolores had the same memory. Right. And then we paused there. So in our heads, I think we were both, uh, we were thinking about it could be, but I think we both didn't say it because we didn't want to just start saying, well, then she could be Wyatt. And then he could be Wyatt. Right, because then
2: then you can get off on these tangents that uh, you can make guesses at any character being anybody and any character being the one that's going to awaken and any character being the one that's going to be a host. So we tried not to get too trapped in that. Throughout the course of this season, we did bring up some things as they came along. Unfortunately, that is going to mean sometimes we are wrong. Of course. (laughs) Or we miss things that other people are talking about. And um, hopefully that's half the fun of it and you guys enjoy that structure. And we're going to delve into all of those ideas and our own theories as we get into episode 10 here. We begin the episode with Dolores saying, I'm in a dream. I do not know when it began or whose dream it was. I know only that I slept a long time and one day I awoke. Your voice is the first thing I remember. And now I finally understand what you were trying to tell me, the thing you've wanted since that very first day. And you see she's being awoke
1: by Arnold.
2: (laughs) She's being put together. A realistic face is being put onto this machinery built body. Yeah,
1: kind of creepy, right?
2: It was creepy. It was amazing at the same time. Oh, yeah. He was so excited to see her come into being. He said, welcome to world, which I thought was incredible. Mm.
1: In this scene, I was having an issue of uh, looking at Jeffrey Wright as Bernard or as Arnold. Yes. And I knew it was Arnold at the time, but my head automatically said, there's Bernard. And then I was like, no, there's Arnold. And I was like, shit, is this going to happen All next season. I
2: struggled with it all episode long. And even we got some write-ins about that for the last episode because we were seeing past and present. And I said, even in the past, when we see Jeffrey Wright talking to Dolores in some of the scenes in episode nine, where she's downstairs, she's wearing the older dress, it is possible that that iteration, that memory loop, is when Arnold is already dead, and Bernard is a host. We don't know that it went that far back, that it was living Arnold. And I don't know if we're ever going to know which of those things happened when he was actually Arnold and which of them when he was Bernard. It's super hard to tell.
1: Yeah. But this one, he definitely was Arnold.
2: Yes. And then you move over to Dolores shaving the man in black with his own blade. She's convinced she's never been in this town before, but he reminds her that she has brought him there when it was buried in sand.
1: So... Right away, they start giving us little breadcrumbs of this is William. This is William. Mm -hmm. Because we know we saw that episode where he was brought there with her. And that's when she had that first flashback of killing all those people.
2: Yes. We had also wondered, is this the present when we're seeing Dolores return to the town? Because it was completely... Emptied and cleared out. Yes. Even though we know recently it was buried in sand because Ford was looking at it earlier on in the season with little boy Robert and we didn't know how much time that would take. We knew he was excavating things and preparing, but was it in fact totally ready to go? And yes, it was.
1: I want to know why it was buried in sand like that. Yes. Because they didn't bother tearing down the buildings. They were just kind of sticking up. If you saw that in real life, you would think that was a natural disaster. Yeah. Right? But knowing Westworld, this wasn't natural. This was buried on purpose. Maybe Ford buried that place to bury the past of the negativity Mm
2: -hmm. where they
1: almost had to get shut down before Delos put their money in, and their backing.
2: Yeah, or so that host couldn't find it because of whatever trouble had come from it, and maybe that would trigger their memories, such as we see this whole episode. I know that a lot of viewers were saying this could be part of the eventual narrative, that there's going to be a biblical event built into this that will take place, something like a flood that will come in and destroy the town. Mm. Now that we see what Ford's intentions were, I'm thinking maybe it's not planned, whatever ends up happening there this time at least.
1: No, I don't think it is, because his whole point of the way he was killed this time was um, not to, well, he planned it, but he didn't put it in her code to kill him. He let her make the yeah, decision. she made the choice. So from this point on, they're all going to be woke and yeah. they're going to make their own decisions.
2: Their own uh, storyline. That's what I assume. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the town will play into that. So whether it was buried on purpose last time or not, if it happens this time around, I think it's, it's going to be a lot more unscripted
1: So, Chris, you know I love you. Yes. (laughs) And I trust you. But I would never let you shave me with a knife that large.
2: Oh, boy.
1: That was... That
2: was... Jeez. The fact that he was giving it to her to do that Mm -hmm. shows the level he still thinks she's at. And what he's come to realize over all these years, that she's not really awake. No. And that she's not going to do anything about it. She will never change. And that's a sad story that we'll get into shortly. Here, she says, Arnold built me a game. He wanted me to play. There's a path for everyone, and my path leads me back to you. And there, she sees Arnold again. Then, after being reset, Teddy arrives in Sweetwater on the train. The music slows down as he exits and remembers the dead bodies from Escalante. In the memory, he sees Dolores smiling over the body pile, and a wolf runs by... A dire wolf. Yeah, I got to say, this has happened several times now. I don't know if that's going to have any significance. But Teddy snaps back to the present and winds up shooting an innocent host to get out and get back on the train, realizing he has to go find Dolores.
1: So the first time we saw the wolf is when Maeve was kind of like that switch was hit. Yes. When Dolores said, these violent delights have violent ends. hmm so maybe that's the signal that they've been woke or they're awakening.
2: It's got some kind of symbol. And I love that we learned here in regards to the violent delights. It seems she's been saying that because it was the last thing Arnold said to her.
1: Last week, I, I actually brought up that because we had been saying, especially in the beginning of this season, that these violent delights, that saying must mean something. We were saying that must trigger.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: A code or something and then we abandoned that last week because we realized it's not predicated on that saying Mm -hmm. but it's reintroduced to us at least this episode because now we know yes it's still it did have a significance it wasn't just a a great saying for the listeners it actually is something it's the last thing he said and he says it again before the hosts rebel
2: Yeah. And it makes it more organic, which I love. It gives that idea back to us that there is actual host awakening coming because that was another huge question of the season. How much were any of the hosts actually waking up and coming to consciousness versus how much of this was a scripted story they were being given? And without jumping too far ahead of myself, I was getting horribly depressed all episode long that it seemed Maeve was not achieving any level of sentience or independence in her decision making. By the end of the episode though, we see a lot of them are and oh, yes. hopefully that will continue to develop.
1: And we know for sure that Dr. Ford has beyond this his plan is still going to be going. Yes. On, because why else have Maeve go out there? There's something else to that.
2: Yeah. Even though she never makes it,
1: <laughs> when he when Teddy has this flashback back to the scene you're, you're discussing, mm-hmm. that's when it hit me. Yep, it's it is Dolores who's Wyatt. Yeah, it, it was evident to me at that point. And then he gets back on the train. I was like, "Woo, he flipped the script. I bet he's never gone back on that train."
2: Yeah, and he caused hosts to flee. There was a lot of panic going he shot on. Shot
1: that dude that. It- it Bully. was It
2: was just interesting that we are continually seeing the loop being broken more and more and their ability to make decisions based on something that's happening spontaneously for them mm-hmm. instead of something they're being told to do. I did get the idea here that, like last episode, it was probably going to be Dolores, but also that it could be Teddy, that it could be multiple hosts, that Arnold had engaged last right. time around in whatever wound up happening in this town. And it was, in fact, I think just really Dolores and Teddy that were a part of that. But we'll get there.
1: I think it's important to note that who Wyatt is wasn't even a big deal. It wasn't about who is Wyatt. It was about the storyline or the new narrative, basically, and what happened with Arnold.
2: Yeah. And that's kind of what we've been talking about is, you know, the importance is not so much who is who. And it's, it's not that... Dolores suddenly became Wyatt and took over the character. It's the memories that were implanted in her and how she was told to act, and that comes to fruition in a much bigger way later on in that the hosts have to start making choices Mm -hmm. and changes and becoming people that perhaps it's going to be very difficult for them to do the things they need to do so that they can escape.
1: Before we move on from this scene, Last week, I said, how does Angela know that he's not ready and that killing him Mm. will be the next step to making him ready? But if you think back a a few episodes ago, when Dr. Ford has a visit with the man in black and Teddy, Mm -hmm. he has his little discussion. He shows his muscle and then leaves. He wakes Teddy up like essentially Teddy was dying. He fixes Mm -hmm. him. And I think what he did from that point is he put he implanted Angela into the scene, into Westworld.
2: Right. And had
1: them b- bump into her so that Angela would, prov- would get them in the right section. Yes. Would get the men in black captured and kill Teddy so that the next iteration of Teddy, maybe he needed to do the update while he was dead, puts him back on the train, and now he's ready. It's to- kind of
2: like we said, it's giving time for the chess pieces also to get into the right places. Right. Everybody needs to be where they're supposed to be at the right time.
1: It's all about control.
2: And it did come very much down to timing that it was all going to happen at the gala celebration. Mm -hmm. Well, next, we see in the past, Dolores is excited to have found the maze. She returns to the church and finds Arnold sitting in the pew. She leads him to the graveyard. In the present, the man in black follows her. She says, it ends in a place I've never been, a thing I'll never do. And she sees her own grave and begins to dig out a can buried in the dirt. Inside of the can, she finds the maze. And by that, we mean the actual maze, which we'll find out later, is really just built off of a toy that used to belong to Arnold's son, Charlie, and sort of sparked the whole idea for the changing of his theory of consciousness. Because next, remembering Arnold beside her, she asks him, what does it mean? What does it mean?
0: When I was first working on your mind, I had a theory of consciousness. I thought it was a pyramid you needed to scale. So I gave you a voice, my voice, to guide you along the way. Memory, improvisation, each step harder to reach than the last. And you never got there. I couldn't understand what was holding you back. Then, one day, I realized I'd made a mistake. Righteousness isn't a journey upward, but a journey inward. Not a pyramid,
2: but a maze. Not a pyramid, but a maze in which every choice could bring you closer to the center or send you spiraling out into the edges of madness.
1: Dolores says it ends in a place I've never been. A thing I'll never do. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was intriguing to me, a thing I'll never do. And she's talking to the man in black. I suppose the thing she'll never do was kill Arnold.
2: I thought two different things. First, the thing she'll never do is get out. Oh, I see. So ultimately, achieving that would mean having her own total freedom or independence. But then I thought the thing was to die. Because she was looking at a grave with her own marker on it. You're right. And buried inside of that was a maze. And becoming aware, realizing that she's a host, would bring her to the line of thinking of, I can never die.
1: Mm.
2: I will never be put in this graveyard. And that's what leads her to the gravestone and then remembering that something's underneath there. I also thought it was really cool that the pyramid that we were all working so hard to figure out this season wound up being less important because as he starts to draw the lines around it he realizes you get to one step and then you sort of have to circle back it's this ongoing process it's more like a circle looping around than steps that you can neatly climb to the top no corners (laughs) and you know that's obviously what jogged him to think about the toy and to put the pieces together that this process would be more like a maze
1: yeah and the toy was called Pigs in Clover. Yeah. Does that? Do you know anything about that? Does that?
2: Yeah, it was the name of a toy. Of course, they had many. Uh, growing up when we were younger, of those little maze games, they were inside those. a piece yeah. of plastic. Friendly's
1: had it often too. So one Play of the it.
2: earliest bigger ones was called Pigs in Clover, and it was just. But it the has name nothing of... to do with
1: pigs inside of it.
2: I don't know if there was a it picture a clover. It was a picture of a dude. Maybe. A person. I don't know. Well, like pigs being lost, maybe, in the clover, in the grass. I have no idea. <laughs> but you can look up a picture on the internet. You can see that.
1: I should have looked this up before I asked Christina. So I looked it up while editing the podcast. Basically, the saying, like pigs and clover, means extremely contentedly, as in they had a handsome pension and lived like pigs in clover. This expression alludes to pigs being allowed to eat as much clover, a favorite food of theirs, as they wish. It appeared in the Boston Gazette of January 7, 1813.
2: And it, it just made him think about it. It's so interesting how each step led to the last. And at this point, he told her she was close to figuring it out. In the past, the first time she went through it, and she's saying, I'm trying so hard to understand, but I just can't get there. And he says he has to tell Robert, We can't open the park, you're alive. And that was really the, the moment, moment he came to it that yep. what they were doing was not right. They had gone too far, and at this point, you can't justify making this into a theme park.
1: I don't believe this was the scene, but it, what you just said reminded me. Again, last episode, I had asked you when Dolores was having her memories, mm-hmm. and she saw a, doctor, a young Dr. Ford walk by her. I was like, "There's no way she would be there. He didn't even acknowledge her. Well, now we know she was there. Yes. Because Arnold wanted to show Dr. Ford that she's alive, And Dr. Ford, yes, did not even acknowledge her, but that was on purpose. When he came in, he was upset. He yes. was going and he right was like, to this Arnold. No way. This, this is insane. They're not real. He didn't say that, well, but that's probably what they were fighting about.
2: Can you imagine doing all we of have this to open work? Up the park? Right, getting yeah. to this place, being finally ready to open it up and make money off of it, and now your partner says, "Well, they're alive. We yeah. can't do that. Shut everything down." It's kind of like the William and Logan mm. interaction when William comes to him and says, "Listen, man, I made this breakthrough. She's different than everybody else." And Logan is like, "What is the matter with you? You got to come back to reality."
1: What's funny is she wasn't different than everybody else. She wasn't actually hashtag woke, which you have been saying.
2: I wondered if anybody was. It seems as though you wonder which came first, the chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. Was it that she was really figuring things out or was Arnold reading too far into that? Either way, once he started pushing her, he started to drive her more towards an awareness. Yes. But it's still never going to be realized in any great way until Ford starts to see what needs to be changed in order to get them to that place.
1: One of the key things that Arnold said was he has been wanting her to hear her own voice, not his. Yes. And again, this is going back to the title of this sh- episode. This whole time we were saying, who's that voice? Hmm. And sometimes it was it sounded like Arnold. Sometimes it sounded like Dr. Ford.
2: And sometimes like Dolores.
1: Sometimes, yeah, that's right, especially in the end of this episode, end of the season. It's actually Dr. Ford's voice, and then it turns into her voice. And we know for sure it's Dr. Ford's because we have the closed captioning on. Yes. And it said Dr. Ford, and then it turns into herself, but we'll get into that.
2: Dolores remembers sitting with Arnold in the remote facility and him telling her he failed her. Ford doesn't see that she's conscious and he wants to roll her back. So this seems to be after that argument took place in the basement, he comes back to talk to her and tells her that they need another option. He can't leave her as she is. Otherwise, she'll continue to go around finding it. And it's not fair to put her through that suffering. But there is something else they can do. He hands her a revolver and tells her to break the loop before it begins by enlisting Teddy's help and killing all the other hosts. She will help him destroy this place so that Ford can't open the park.
1: This didn't feel like he thought this out very well. <laughs> he was going off of emotions. Yeah. And the whole time I was like, that's not going to solve anything because we know that they can get back together or be built back together. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. I don't understand what he was trying to accomplish. Even with him killing himself, what was that accomplishing?
2: He wanted him to need to stop the opening of the park mm-hmm. so that he would be forced to look at things and think about it more one host dying, a couple hosts dying, of course that doesn't do it. He says it later, the stakes need to be upped. The only thing that can't be reversed is his own death. And he really thought that that would do it, that would set oh, something right. off within Ford. You're right. So if all of the hosts, if she killed all of the hosts, and then him, and that was all gone, Ford would need to really take a step back.
1: You're right, and you just jogged my memory. It almost did get shut down because of that until William comes in with the Delos Correct. money. Correct. So yeah, never mind. My bad.
2: Uh, here too, we see back in the graveyard with the man in black in the present Dolores remembers her attack. The man admits that he owns the park and obsesses over making it true. He gets frustrated when she says she can't remember. He says it's just another riddle and he's done being patient. He wants to meet the final character Wyatt. So we can see here the level of he's gone through this so many times. He can feel that he's that close, and he's done. He's fed up with going easy with her. He's going to do whatever it takes to meet this last person and find the center of the maze. Meanwhile, Sizemore and Hale overlook the arrival's terminal as the board begins to arrive. Realizing Hale is pushing Ford out, he asks for full creative control. Hale demands that he gets the information out of the park And later, Hale tells Ford the results of the board's vote and insists he break the news of the retirement that night. So we see here the board is coming in full force for this great event that they're having. She's stringing Lee along. She's making him think that once they get Ford out there, as long as he does what she tells him to do, he'll be in a position more of control within the park.
1: Control. Again, we see that. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of Dr. Ford needing control, it's Hale that needs this control.
2: And Lee wants it badly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but she's harping on, like, we need to dial these creatures back so that we can have more dominance over them and we can control these storylines more. Lee... He
2: always kind of wanted that too, if you remember, though, He wants creative control, yeah. He wants creative control, but he agreed with her. He was pushing from the beginning that they had made the host too realistic, that they probably should bring him back a notch to where they used to be.
1: When Hale left the office in Dr. Ford, so we're kind of putting two scenes together. Yes. The look on his face was like, again, we saw that, and I was like, yep, he's not screwed. He knows what's going on. He's ready for his next move. Yeah. He just waited for her to move her pawn. And show her hand. How did he lose control of the board? Because when he was talking to Teresa earlier this season, he had basically, when they were in the that Spanish farm mm-hmm. or, or um, wine country, basically had said, like, they're on my side. You thought they, you know?
2: Well, this is where we learn so much in this episode. It seems as though when he's always been saying that they're on my side, by that he really meant the man in black. It seems the man in black has some type of more majority vote that counts for more. And throughout all these years, he's been hooked. Yeah. He wanted to figure out the narratives. He wanted to figure out the storylines. And he thought they all belonged to Ford, that he had the key to solving it all, this riddle that was triggered by Dolores. And so he kept him in business all these years. Right, We'll find out later he saved the park when it was on the brink of disaster He kept Ford from being pushed out because he wanted the secrets. And now that he knows that they don't really belong to Ford, or he thinks he knows that they belong to Arnold, he doesn't care anymore. So Ford has lost his huge chess piece within the board. Got it. Okay, now we're going to change gears. Freshly rebuilt without the spinal fail-safe explosive, Maeve makes changes to the park security and also to her friends on Felix's tablet. We see that she lowers the mortality rate and the pain sensitivity to the lowest possible amount and bumps the aggression to the highest for both Hector and Armistice.
1: Yep, she's making changes to park security and friends. Mm -hmm. She gets right to it. We know now that Sylvester is okay. Like Mm -hmm. he's just cured.
2: They open the scene up with him rebuilding her
1: c6 uh, c6 six, C six, and then just like places it in it looks like so Jesus, haphazard dude, that's her spine i was so
2: worried that she was gonna wake up and her whole spine was gonna be like all messed up <laughs> but yeah i guess that whatever that tool was they used on him was able to just fix him right up gorilla I don't glue know. we also see destin the livestock tech pull hector aside for a one-on-one inspection
1: oh so creepy
2: Yeah, he's got the music on. He brings him into the other room. By the way, the other tech is still just sitting here right next to him in the glass wall trying to fix armistice. It leads you to believe this type of thing happens very often down there and nobody cares. It's
1: routine to them. And often with Hector, I'm assuming, because each lab tech has their assigned people. I have to tell you, well, one, we saw the fly again.
2: yes. Right before all of this started to go down. Yeah,
1: which was cool. Right before shit went crazy. And it felt eerie. Not just with what this, do- this lab tech was doing, mm-hmm. but I knew something was up. Something was going to happen. It was building. And they're dealing with the two most badass hosts.
2: Mm-hmm. especially when the other tech starts fixing armistice and he's putting mm-hmm. his fingers in her mouth.
1: Didn't I say audibly? He's, she's going to bite his finger. Yeah,
2: you could feel it coming. And she does. She bites it, I think, clean off. Clean off, She's got it in her mouth later, right? Yep, tip of his finger. uh, She comes awake. They're wrestling. This gives time for Hector to stab the tech, Dustin, through the chest.
1: Yeah, it was pretty badass because, so the tech's name is Dustin?
2: Destin.
1: Destin. Mm Mm-hmm. So while he's doing his thing, you see in the background, she's just kicking this other guy's ass.
2: Yeah. And he can't hear it. Of course, because he's got the headphones on. She's throwing him against walls, choking him with his own finger.
1: Kicking his ass. (laughs) Aggression is way up. Yes. I don't know what makes them wake up, but as soon as she's done and she walks in and she's about to take this dude out, Destin, that's when he wakes up. Yeah. Hector.
2: Stabs Destin.
1: Gets his revenge. Brutally.
2: And once they've had their fun, Maeve arrives with Sylvester and Felix.
1: I see you've already met your makers. They don't look like gods. They're not. They just act like it.
2: Sylvester shows Maeve the changes that were made to her core code, changes made by Arnold, in fact, and Maeve tells the other host, the goal here is to escape. I want to see their world. Then we jump to the whole gang going down to cold storage where Maeve finds Clementine decommissioned
1: first of all Maeve always comes onto the scene with like an epic saying hmm. when she came out of the woods with hector she had an awesome saying and then this time she said i see you have already met your makers yeah that was so key
2: really sad when she sees clem and what's happened to her oh, very just the sad. reality of it and she sees bernard dead felix is stunned about this and you could see the gears turning in his mind, and Maeve reassures him that he is human. You know, he's kind of looking at his arms and yeah. <laughs> wondering to himself. She directs Felix to revive Bernard, who, once awake, realizes this is not the first time either of them have awoken. So Maeve asks, how many are there, like her? Bernard says, there's been a handful over the years. Most of them have gone and seen. And she also wants the memories of her daughter removed. And he says he can't do that because it's the first step towards consciousness. How else will she learn from her mistakes?
1: Very deep because you see Maeve taken aback when he, she re- realizes what he's saying. Like, this isn't your first time being woke. Yeah. This is also the scene when you start to notice that for the first time, Maeve's hair is done up differently. It's very modern looking.
2: Her whole outfit, I was going to talk about that later. She has this long black button-up shirt on. Yeah. It's very loose-fitting. It covers her a yeah. lot. I was wondering, is this something that they just gave to her to throw on, or is it something she picked because for so long she's been wearing these scantily clad right. madam outfits, and she just wants to look like a quote-unquote regular person?
1: Yeah, always had her hair curly, and this time it was it was slicked back and tight.
2: And we'll see that she's all in black, mm-hmm. Hector's all in white, Yeah, and Armistice is in this kind of like muddied color in between. But
1: if you rewind it and you play it again, you'll notice that the shirt she chose was a black hashtag woke CKC <laughs> t-shirt that's on sale now at coffeeclatchcrew.com.
2: Yeah, you just couldn't see the image. They couldn't show that on TV, of course. No.
1: But, you, <laughs> but if you rewind it, you see it.
2: <laughs> that's funny. Now, William drags Logan to Lawrence slash Alazo's camp. He has him tied behind his horse. He's looking for help to find Dolores. He says it's going to take an army to find her. So they scope out a confederado camp. And having found a reason to fight, William shoots every soldier asking for Dolores' whereabouts.
1: I love Lawrence's character. Yeah. He's so cool. I seem to like the bad guy characters.
2: He's likable at the same time, though.
1: I knew you'd come back. (laughs) He's almost happy to see them.
2: He reveals that knife, obviously another clue, While the pieces are starting to fall together, of William being the man in black, and he resolves to keep looking for her. As he and Logan ride, the photo of William's fiancé falls out of his pocket. Yes. So this is the spot where it's lost, but this is not near the Abernathy Ranch. So we still haven't seen the full story on this photo.
1: So, yeah, we had listeners write to us saying a while ago that William probably planted that. Yeah. So they were close. They, he didn't plant it. He just dropped it. But, yeah, I guess they're not that far off, which is weird because the Abernathy Ranch is very close to this to the main starting point.
2: Yeah, and they're out in the middle of the woods yeah. somewhere, so it's going to take another event to get that picture from here back to the ranch. Right. We also had somebody point out to us that when Logan first pulled out the picture to give it to William to remind him, hey, remember my sister, the woman you're supposed to marry? There was two photos. He gave the one of Juliet to William and put the other one back in his pocket. Ah. So I don't know if that'll come back into play.
1: We also had a person on Twitter write, and I I love this. I retweeted it. Juliet's picture is a Getty stock image. Photographer's name, Weber. (laughs) And then he wrote, God damn, I love Reddit.
2: I couldn't believe that when showed it it to me. (laughs) So
1: it's an actual Getty stock image.
2: Yeah. Well, with no success, William tells Logan he's planning to increase his company's holdings in Westworld.
1: He's already talking about it as though I've taken control. I'm the one in charge. A switch just flipped on him. It was crazy. It was that speech that Logan gave him that you're nothing. You're nobody. When you came in, you're all so happy just to get that one position
2: And thinking about it, the fact that this is a game and he needs to learn how to play it. Yeah. And at this point, he even has Logan riding on a horse naked with his hands tied up.
1: Already? I thought that was more towards the end.
2: Yeah, well, we we started out with him riding behind him. But now we're at the next scene where he's telling him, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And during this scene, he is naked on the back of the horse. He sent him riding off into the distance after the two of them have a little spat.
1: So William has definitely done a 180 in his personality. It's ridiculous. He punches Logan in the face hard. Yeah. When they're looking over that town. No remorse. Just bam. Shut up. He's on a mission to find her, but we do find out that it was never really about her. It was about him.
2: Well, that's what Logan thinks, at least. He tells him in this last moment that... (laughs) it's all about these other things, the company, the business. But as he's telling the story, and we'll go back to that in a minute, he tells Dolores and things to himself, that's not true. It was about you, and I was going to continue searching for you.
1: What I don't understand is he says, well, Logan says to William, like, you're nobody, it's my company. Yeah. And then William says, your father's not going to want you, you're too...
2: Reckless, reckless. Irresponsible. Well, how did he I don't manipulate know. his father? How does this come to be? Father. Yeah, <laughs> We're going to have to see more of that probably next season. Really, what is this company, this family about? We know that he's going to have problems with his wife later on. He's going to go back clearly with issues between him and Logan. How does it come to pass that he takes over? Here, though, they switch gears back over to the present, where Dolores, badly beaten, attempts to escape from the man in black saying that she's found somebody who truly loves her and he will come find her and kill him. She's found this man named William. And to this, obviously, the man laughs and he starts telling her about how William's story played out.
1: I used to know a man named William here.
2: <laughs> yes. Which well, is
1: key because I used to know a man named William.
2: Hmm. First, he actually says, you were right when you said this is the only world that matters. I took your advice and I bought this world. That's right. So somehow he came to power within the business. He then immediately bought Delos, Westworld, uh, whatever.
1: I think Delos is his company. You did say this a while back. I don't know if it was a listener or yourself. Mm -hmm. You said Delos. Maybe that's the company's name. Mm
2: -hmm. Of the organization he owns on the outside. The business is booming because it feels more real here than the real world. But the guests can't really lose and you can't really fight back. It's all a lie, but we can make it true. And then he starts telling her the story of William. This guy that he knew who didn't know how to fight at first. He didn't know how to navigate this world. He had no instincts. But then he had a reason to look for you. Somewhere along the way, he found he had a taste for the world. He retraced his steps looking for you, but you were gone. He went further out to the fringes of the park, but he couldn't find you. Out there among the dead, he found something else, though, himself. And eventually, he found you right back where you started, in Sweetwater. This is where we see a flashback to younger William going back to the town and watching as Dolores goes through her loop, drops her can, and another suitor picks it up.
1: She doesn't even recognize him. He thought she did at first because she looked at him. Yeah. And you saw the old William for a second. Do you think if she remembered him at that point, that he wouldn't have gone, you know, totally dark side. Things would have been very side. different. Yeah.
2: Because he was justifying doing all of this to find her still. And You know, it does say he found himself out there. He'd learned things about him. But if he could have had a way to be with her, he says in that moment, something along the lines of she was still just as bright of a light as when he left. She was shining. He had done all this work, had this grand adventure to come back to her. I think this was the crushing moment that there was no recollection. He realized that she wasn't different. It wasn't special. This world was fake.
1: He was even able to make Logan kind of go, ugh, the way he was killing the host. Stabbing in the neck. He really just flipped. It was weird. Did he ever love his fiance? Probably not, right?
2: I don't know. We haven't learned a lot about him out in the real world. We see him here in the past putting back on the black hat and sort of, you know, walking away, and then we switch back over to the present with the man in black putting the hat back on, and this is where it really solidifies it, that the story is about himself. He tells her she helped him find himself, and Dolores realizes that he is, in fact, William.
0: You never did escape. Here we are again. the one final round. What have you become? Exactly what you made me. You helped me understand this world is just like the one outside, a game. One to be fought, taken, won. I thought
1: you were dead. You just like all the rest? I'm
0: nothing like the others. I own this world, and I know every trick in it, except for one last thing. The same thing you were looking for when we first came here. Where is the center of the maze, Dolores?
2: He says he grew tired after a while. He looked for new adventures, but the path always led him back to her. And hers always led her here, chasing ghosts lost in her memories. So that was another part of it that he knew back from the time where they first started going on that adventure together and they got to the town and she was fritzing out, talking about she didn't know when she was. She had to find this thing. He knew that for her it was never going to be about him. And this obviously led him further and further off the deep end as time went on.
1: So this is the time we get the answer. William is the man in black. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we thought it might have been Logan, but I think we were pretty set on William.
2: Yeah, we were pretty, pretty strong on that.
1: Now, there's something about this show that I think is important. It's unlike Mr. Robot in the fact that, you know, it's still fun to to have these theories. Like, that's really fun. That's what we love. Mm-hmm. But this show isn't really about those theories and about those theories coming true. Yes. The fact that William is Men in Black is awesome. But that wasn't even important. Once we knew, that was fine. It was all well and good. It wasn't a letdown. It wasn't like, oh, my God. Because the storyline was so much deeper than just that.
2: We've been talking about that as well. That it it wasn't going to be the reveal, and people had said it long ago. And I was dissatisfied with the theory at the time that William is Man in Black. And I think the reason I was dissatisfied is because for me, it was what happens in the journey. Will it be satisfying? When Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan get to the point of describing we're seeing this man, William, he has to make a lot of leaps and transform Mm -hmm. to eventually become the man in black. And how does that tie into our bigger story of what's going on in Westworld? How does it relate to Dolores? That's what makes it fun and exciting. So there were were points where I felt like it was a little bit quick that we saw William snapping, but they did go back to it here. I thought they tied it all up very nicely. And that's what was satisfying.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely.
2: The next scene was amazing as well. The man in black is still going at Dolores about where the center of the maze is. Now that she's realized, she snaps. (laughs) She starts beating him up. She drags him into the church. Her strength is incredible here. She puts a gun to his head, and when she can't pull the trigger, he stabs her in the abdomen.
1: (laughs) So before we go uh, where you're at, the way this scene developed... She started crying, and he's like, oh, here it is, the sob. Yeah. And, and she <laughs> says, I'm not crying for myself. I'm crying for you. Yeah. And then she goes into what he's lacking.
2: She gives this amazing speech. Time undoes even the mightiest of creatures. Just look what it's done to you. One day you will perish. You will lie with the rest of your kind in the dirt. Your dreams forgotten. Your horrors effaced. Your bones will turn to sand, and upon that sand, a new god will walk one that will never die because this world doesn't belong to you or the people who came before. It belongs to someone who has yet to come. So she's saying exactly what we've been hearing from her, from Arnold. The maze is not for the guests. The world is not for the guests. Originally he never wanted this place to be a park. He wanted it to be for the hosts, for this purpose of what he figured out that he had created something alive And then it was the maze that was going to be for them. It was attaining the level of consciousness. And now it's going to be whatever Ford has planned for the host. But either way, the visitors do not matter. Nope. This is the host story.
1: The visitors never really mattered in this show to us. Mm -hmm. That's the way it was written. I believe in the movie it was more about the visitors.
2: This was their whole vision. I mean, this is how... They got it approved through HBO, Jonathan Nolan, Lisa Joy, all the people that are working on this. They came with this idea of the reason Westworld's going to be cool this time is we're going to do it from a totally different viewpoint, the viewpoint Mm -hmm. of the hosts and their struggle. And we had talked about the fact that that is very interesting and exciting, but it does need a counterpoint in order to make the struggle real. And come to life for us. So this is why I'm enjoying this episode. You do see the counterpoint of the guest of the William who becomes the man in black. And the fight she has against him. And later the Delos board and all of the members. And the fight that the host and Ford have to have against them. You know, That's what makes the, the host interesting.
1: Absolutely. So she kicks his ass. That was pretty good. That felt good for me. She does. <laughs> but then right at the end she gets stabbed. Well, in the abdomen again.
2: She she just doesn't pull the trigger. She That's can't right. bring herself to do it. I don't know if it's because she does realize now that it's William and there's still fondness for him. After that speech, it doesn't sound like it.
1: I don't believe so. I think she just wasn't ready yet. She still wasn't there.
2: This is where we see Teddy ride in.
1: We finally get Teddy's redemption.
2: He comes to the rescue. and He picks her up and he rides off with her.
1: So... We saw Teddy try to rescue her against the man in black. I believe it was episode one in front of the Abernathy house.
2: Yes. And probably tried to rescue her countless times times from other suitors. Oh yeah. The
1: milk guys.
2: Who took her back to the (laughs) ranch and he could never do it.
1: So this time he actually shoots the man in black. What I'm confused with is this time the bullets actually made him fly backwards and actually hurt him while we know his arm was broken. But still, the bullets—they didn't kill him, they didn't actually hurt him, hurt him. But right. they made him they fly the, back. It
2: was the munitions, but they impacted him the way we've seen them impact other guests. It appeared as though in earlier episodes of this season, when people shot at him, it almost looked like there was a force, force field, field around him yeah. that they weren't touching him. So he I wasn't don't even flinching. I don't know what that's about.
1: So I wonder. Yeah, I wonder why it actually hurt him that time.
2: It could be, like we said, going along with that he's in the outer limits of the park and the storyline now, things get more dangerous, perhaps even for him, so he can be hit. Okay. But it was very cool because they leave him here and Ford comes in, in the next scene and finds him holding the toy maze. And he tells him he's found the center and invites him to join the celebration because after all, he owns the park or at least most of it. that, I thought, was the key line.
0: You're serious. I'm afraid so. What is this bullshit? You were looking for the park to give meaning to your life. Narratives are just games, like this toy. Tell me, what were you hoping to find? You know what I wanted. I wanted the host to stop playing by your rules. The game's not worth playing if your opponent's programmed to lose. wanted them to be free, free to fight back. Should've known you'd never let them. After hey, all, this is your petty little kingdom, Robert. For a little while longer, anyway. I tried to tell you, the maze wasn't meant for you. It was meant for them. I think, however, you'll find my new narrative more satisfying. Join the celebration.
1: This was great. This scene was actually, I, I bet a lot of people, it kind of went under the radar for mm. them. But this was the culmination of the Men in Black's whole storyline of 30 years. 30 years. And like it's slamming down on him. The the maze wasn't meant for you. Yeah. It was nothing.
2: It was never about this. You found it. Uh, Congratulations. No. It means
1: nothing to you because it's not about you.
2: And he even says to him, you were looking for the park to give meaning to your life this whole time, but the narratives are just games. He does say, though, that he should find his new narrative more satisfying. And that intrigues him, and we will see that he does come to the celebration later to find yes. out.
1: And he wasn't satisfied, but then towards the end, mm. he had a smile when he got shot he in the arm. He
2: sure did. And then we switch back off to Teddy riding off with Dolores and setting her down by the waterfront at the ocean, holding her until her last breath. She's saying, I chose to see the beauty here, but it's a lure. We're trapped. We live our whole lives inside this garden. Marvel at its beauty, but we never see that there's an order to it, a purpose, which is to keep us here. The beautiful trap is inside of us because it is us. And this is when she dies, at least in the moment. And the action freezes, the lights come back on, and we see the audience sitting in the background with the board politely applauding, and Ford saying this is the demonstration of his new narrative called Journey Into, into Night. night,
1: or Into Night, yeah. Okay, and Teddy said, there's a path for everyone. My path leads me to you. Mm -hmm. So, we finally know what his narrative was, which, let's say that it was just a new narrative and there wasn't what's really happening, which is a revolt. Mm -hmm. That's kind of interesting. If you are a visitor and the narrative is that the robots are becoming sentient Mm -hmm. and they're realizing that they're in this game and you have to decide if you want to help them, That's an epic narrative. Yeah. You get to the end and you think that you're breaking them out, but it was part of it, the whole game. That is a deep... And yet,
2: underneath that, he has the real intent of actually allowing them to get consciousness and maybe actually allowing them to break out. There's so many layers going on here.
1: So we do realize the first half of this, which is Dolores, we kept thinking... At this moment, at this point, we do realize that, man, it was all part of it. Yeah. She wasn't becoming woke. And you you kept saying that.
2: It's so confusing. She wasn't in the sense of this narrative, right, of everything that was happening with Teddy and getting to this place by the sea and mm-hmm. and all of that. It was all part of it. But the fact that she was able to find the grave maybe repeatedly... <laughs> the church, the maze. Yeah. It was the first level of what Arnold was trying to accomplish, and it will come back into play later, so it's kind of twofold. Well, then we just get two more quick beats here where Hale sends Lee off to see that the data transfer happens, and Ford directs the text to take Dolores back to the old field lab. We see Ford back repairing Dolores and talking about the fact that she's always had a love for painting. And his favorite painting was Michelangelo's The Creation of Adam. When God gave humans meaning and purpose, he introduces her to Bernard.
1: Dolores beat
2: Bernard. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Grief is a terrible thing. Arnold had watched his son come into this world. Then he'd watched that light extinguished. What he had lost in his son, he tried to rekindle in you. He created a test of empathy, imagination, a maze. He'd gotten the idea from one of his son's toys. Eventually, you solved his maze, Dolores. The key was a simple update that he made to you, called the Reveries. He insisted that we couldn't open the park. We argued. I thought I had convinced him, but I was wrong. So he altered you, Dolores. Merged you with a new character we'd been developing.
2: The Wyatt character. He had found a new child in her that would never die, and that gave him solace until he realized it meant she would suffer forever. Dolores says, We're trapped here, then, inside of your dream? And Ford quotes Oppenheimer who said that any man whose mistakes take 10 years to correct is quite a man, and his have taken 35,
1: hmm.
2: which was great. He also says it took 500 years for someone to notice in this painting that we're talking about, The Creation of Adam, the shape is of a mind, of a that human brain. brain,
1: yeah. I never noticed that. In our art history classes, they never went over that. No. Or I fell asleep during that section.
2: No, I don't think they talked about it. And the meaning behind that, the divine gift does not come from a higher power, but from inside of you, your own mind. And so then he says, do you understand now who you will need to become if you ever want to leave this place? Please forgive me. And that goes back to the essence of Ford that we always thought this is what was underneath the whole time that he did have empathy for these creations, he did want them to achieve a level of consciousness, and perhaps he even wanted them to be able to break free, and it, it seems as though he did. Well, it then cuts over to Arnold saying that the stakes must be real and irreversible, he can bring them all back except for me, and she remembers the scene now of him sitting down in the middle of the street in that town, playing the song Reverie on the gramophone, which he says was Charlie's favorite song. He says that he wants to see him again. And he encourages her. You know, he touches her hand. This is a very tender moment that's happening. Teddy is looking at her like, you're not really going to do this, are you? She raises the gun and she shoots him. She shoots Arnold Mm -hmm. and then Teddy and then herself.
1: So Arnold in Teddy's flashbacks was the captain. So it kind of made sense yeah. that the captain was shot, the captain of his squad.
2: Yeah, he told me to do it.
1: Now he turns the music box on. And we always said like music must have a meaning.
2: Mm.
1: I'm wondering if that was, again, what woke up her code to shoot him. It was. Yeah.
2: I, I really believe that because we know that she wouldn't want to do this. She has nothing but love, love and respect for Arnold. And yet she was able to sort of shut off. And just perform this act. And later we hear Ford saying. There's going to be a killing. But this time by choice. As though she didn't really make that advancement. Because in this moment with Arnold. She didn't choose to do that. He commanded her to do that.
1: Yeah. That's the difference. There's a lot of things that he revealed in this scene. Yeah. When he was talking about to Bernard. About his uh, why he made his past so negative. Mm-hmm. His child dying. He said that. The thing that led the host to awakening was suffering. Last episode, he was talking about Arnold thought that this was what made the, the host better. Their cornerstone. Cornerstone. Mm. But it's deeper than that. It's actually, without the suffering, they'll never awake.
2: Yeah. They need all pieces of that. So I guess Arnold was onto it. He had the memory. They have to remember everything they've been through so they can learn. The improvisation, so they finally start to break out of the loops. He had the idea about cornerstone memories, something that will define you. But then, yeah, also they need to experience the things that real humans experience. And I think on some level, Ford always wanted to spare them that. Of course. That the real world, real life, and the things that people go through is terrible and, and here under the control. Hosts can be different. They can be free in the sense that they don't have to remember and go through all of that. But if they're going to eventually get close to that point where they can break out, then it's only right that you provide them with the rest of the tools they need. You can't leave them halfway. And I think at some point Ford came to that decision on his own that he had to finish guiding them there.
1: While we're on that, it's kind of off topic, but not really. And I want to remember this. We have some listeners that think that... The child is real, so is the wife. Now it seems like, no, Arnold didn't have a child that died.
2: As of last episode, I thought that it was all fake. But I started to think about the fact that Ford said that Arnold had been through his own tragedy, and that could be what changed his line of thinking on giving them a cornerstone that did revolve around suffering. So... I mean, if he did actually lose his child in real life, that could have been the kicker.
1: So that still could actually be his wife that he's talking to. Right. Okay. And
2: just that maybe when Ford turned him into a host, he took those ideas, you know, the real image of his wife and his son and, and put them into memories in his backstory. Back to this scene, Ford admits he was only able to keep going because of William's investment. That's where we get that key line. And he hands Dolores the revolver and leaves her with Bernard. Then you go over to a scene at the church where Bernard tells Ford he believes Arnold is still trying to change them, that Ford will lose control eventually. Ford just sort of shakes his head and reveals that Arnold did try to save the host but failed. Uh, Knowing suffering was the key insight, Ford added time to the equation so that the host could come to know their enemy and become stronger than them. And in fact, it would take even more suffering for them to be able to escape.
1: So this was definitely a key scene. Again, we say he knows all. So he wasn't ignoring this fact. I think it's been years of him realizing Arnold's dream and his theory. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Ford knowing how to do it right. You need a time, time to understand your enemy, mm. which is humans. Sure. There's so many, again, so many levels to what he's saying right there.
2: Yeah, because I guess if they didn't, and they just were allowed to, to be set free into the real world, well, then what? You know, how would they live? How would they find a way to be and, and have a place in the world if they didn't know what people were actually like, what humanity was actually like? And we saw Ford telling Bernard about that last episode. I tried to tell you that humans are flawed, that they will inevitably disappoint you, And so I guess that's what Arnold was missing, was that these people did have to come to have the suffering. He wasn't putting them on these loops. A lot of people said, well, the man in black and Ford, they must really hate Dolores. They must really hate Teddy. They're being punished for something. That's why they're put on these awful loops that involve so much suffering and pain and loss. That wasn't the reason. He had to teach them. And only time could do that. And at, at this point, Ford says goodbye to Bernard. He hands him the maze.
1: Oh, yeah, and he says the maze is just a child's game. Yeah. Oh, that's like saying it to us, too, because we've been saying, what's the maze? The whole thing is about the maze. Where could the center be? What did the, does the maze mean? <laughs> Are they free after? <laughs> and he j- basically, he's just saying, it's just a child's game, man.
2: Yeah, and we also then see Dolores sitting in the diagnostic room, at first, she is sitting in the chair across from Arnold. And then she finally sees it changes to herself. There's the past self and the present self. And she begins talking to it. And she's ready to confront it.
1: And she's even talking to herself, which is kind of trippy. Yeah. Like both selves are talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> but to have that inner monologue, what's more human than that? Nothing, yeah. really. Because we have those inner monologues to ourselves all the time. And a robot's not going to have that.
2: So this really is what Arnold wanted. This is the bicameral mind. She did get there. So not everything in Dolores is programmed. She finally, the first host that we've seen, heard the inner voice as her own, was able to figure out who she is on some level and what she's going to need to do next. This is not going to be easy what comes after. Back over to Maeve. Seeking answers, she has Bernard look at her programming. He realizes someone gave Maeve a new storyline, to escape. He even sees the steps. Recruit other hosts to help you make your way to the train. When you reach the mainland, dot, dot, dot. Unfortunately, we never get to hear what that's supposed to be. Because Maeve is freaking out. She believed she was truly conscious. She's shocked to see yet again that her actions have been scripted. They're yeah. right there on Bernard's tablet Ugh. and she smashes it to pieces.
1: Well, that's got to be sinking to her because she thinks that she's, you know, got this plan. She's she's woke. And to learn again that, oh, shit, it's all in my programming. I thought I got away from yeah. that.
2: Just like she saw last time, right, with the narrative. And she basically says, I don't care. I'm in control. Like, fuck this. I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> I don't even want to see it anymore.
1: So we we thought that Dolores was definitely going around her narrative, but I don't think I ever really felt that Maeve was. You did, though.
2: I, I did only a few episodes ago, and I'm I more worried that she was. I wanted to see this be a true revolution, and I was scared that it was going to be another programmed thing because so much of what she was doing we were saying there's no way that Ford isn't seeing this, that people aren't watching, that there's no video and the texts that are helping her. It has to be at least part of it. So I, I think yet again, it's going to be a bit of both. This is definitely part of what Ford intended in order to have the host be able to reach the next level. And hopefully Mave will continue to take those steps as well. Then a surveillance tech discovers the scene in Livestock and they dispatch a team... The system shuts down and locks them in the control room. A war between hosts and humans breaks out in cold storage. Armistice Hector, Maeve, and Felix find their way into a room marked SW, and we see it's filled with samurai soldiers. Crazy. (laughs) So
1: in the movie, there's three worlds, one of which is not samurai.
2: No. (laughs) But
1: it looks like there are other worlds. It's not just Westworld. Yeah. This place is huge.
2: Well, it was crazy because they went out of the building. They're still inside of one master building, but mm-hmm. you can see these huge floors that just drop out beneath them. There's the walkways in between the two yeah. sectors, whatever you want to call them.
1: That room kind of remind, reminded me of when I was at Hoover Dam. Mm. Just the vastness. Yeah. And the, yeah.
2: You couldn't see the bottom. They walk through another door. Now it looks like they're in a whole other complex, just like Mesa Hub, but for this other world, samurai world, I guess, or something along those lines. And they have their own set of hosts there. Maeve tries to ask about it, and Felix dismisses it with, it's complicated. (laughs) And they continue to fend off the security teams that are chasing them.
1: Are we going to see this world next season in two years or a year? now
2: i don't know if if the escape gets big enough and gets real i don't think you cannot involve the other parts of this central hub right but i don't know if they'll ever become an integral part of the storyline
1: but it does open the gates (laughs) to know that there's other worlds so how many
2: are there like i guess delos must own them all right they're all here yeah yeah it's pretty crazy So they have quite a few quick scenes where they're fighting people off. They're moving from one room to the next.
1: What if they have a room or a building that's called MW and it's modern world, but it's actually the real world?
2: Where people live? Yeah. So everything's contained inside of... So
1: it's a world inside of a world inside of a world. World, (laughs)
2: world.
1: (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Okay, go ahead.
2: Well, we know there's something outside because we're going to see in just a few minutes with this monorail that takes you seemingly outside of the park. We don't know for sure. Uh, Felix hands Maeve a briefcase and walks her to the arrivals terminal. They get to the elevator and they are forced to leave Hector behind.
1: Oh, I felt bad horrible. for Hector. Yeah, I felt really bad for Hector. One, I really like Hector. And it was so cold of Maeve. I want to like her. And like the, every so often, she does things like this. And I'm like, ugh.
2: We did know she was using them. We thought she was actually going to even have to make them sacrifice themselves, like detonate themselves. Yeah. But from the beginning, she hadn't programmed him to come any further. It's like a force field. He can't even walk onto the elevator. And he's... Okay with it. Yeah. You see on his face that he just like, yeah, I kind of thought this was coming. <laughs> and I'll stay here and I'll see you in the next life, maybe.
1: She gives them a kiss. Now, to save time, we're not going through this whole scene, but it's worth saying that this was a really good action scene. All oh, of yeah. them with the host that first time with semi automatics and they love it. Mm-hmm. The looks on their face. And she was like, whoo yeah, it's a better gun than they've been using.
2: Yep. Armistice getting stuck in the door. Yeah. Having to leave her behind.
1: She was kick-ass, too.
2: Hector says, die well. Make yep. sure you, you die well die or something well. like that.
1: Very honorable. And do you think when the first line of uh, soldiers ca- came in and they hid amongst all the other hosts in there, do you oh, think yeah. Maeve turned them on? Because that room felt felt like it was shut down for the night. And then the hosts were going through their cycles. I feel like she she turned them all on
2: I don't with know. her mind.
1: Because she has that power. And then they all go to those still ones.
2: Yeah, it is possible that there are certain hosts left maybe inside of locked rooms that they keep practicing to keep developing and somebody walks Learn through and checks mistakes. on them. Okay. You know, they just seem to be like rehearsing, going through scenes together, but... Yeah, it's possible that she turned them on. And I thought it was it was crazy where you see the one room that looked a little like cold storage, you know, yeah. even though it's upstairs because you have all the hosts standing just stock still. Right. And they're walking through the halls and you have that on this side and then on the right, the hosts are just going through the motions. Mm-hmm. And Maeve is kind of walking in the middle. And it's it's so different. You see all the levels that a host can be at, how much time, how much effort it took just to get here. And she's still so far from being able to be truly free.
1: When they're all hiding in a line, it kind of reminded me of iRobot because that's how the robot hid. (laughs) Yep.
2: So, right. She leaves Hector behind in the elevator. She changes clothes and Felix gives her the location of her daughter who is in the park. Park 1, Sector 15, Zone 3. Why did he do this?
1: I don't know. Why did he?
2: He wants to help her, right? He has to know that telling her, even though she said, I don't want the memories of my daughter anymore, Mm -hmm. even though none of it was actually real, quote unquote, he still tells her that right at the very last minute. He's looking, by the way, super anxious the entire time. What is he going to do? What in the heck is going to happen to him once this whole thing finally ends? Is he going to be in trouble? Clearly he was being scripted to do this in a certain sense also, because if this was part of Maeve's storyline, Ford knew the texts were oh, going to help right. her, then on some level, I guess it's okay. But anyhow, you have to wonder about that. Maeve eventually goes down. She gets on the train. She sits there for a few moments, and then she gets back up. Ugh. And she walks out. And I was dying. I wanted so bad for this season to end with that train pulling off and just wondering yeah. next season where she was going to be when she gets to the outside.
1: I wrote, is she going to run into Peter Aber- Abernathy?
2: Yeah. And I was so excited that been for awesome.
1: that.
2: Oh, Nothing. I, I wanted believe... to see the
1: world and the outside.
2: I couldn't believe that she winds up changing her mind after everything. She gets off the train, all the lights in the lobby shut down, something big is going to happen to take her back now. You just know it. And they also show Sizemore arrive in cold storage to find that the hosts are gone.
1: Now, we had said this so long ago yeah. that it feels like he's, instead of just decommissioning them and like getting rid of them, reusing their parts, this is it's like the he's army. storing an army just in yeah. case shit goes down. Definitely. And that's exactly what he did.
2: Yep. And that takes us right into our last scene. At the celebration, Ford starts to give a speech about the power of stories. And the fact that this will be his final story. He says, since I was a child, I always loved a good story. It helps to fix what was broken in us to become the people we dreamed of being. Lies that told a deeper truth. I also thought I could play some small part in the grand tradition. And for my pains, I got this. A prison of our own sins. Because you don't want to change or cannot change. Because you are only human after all. And then I realized someone was paying attention. Someone who could change. And I began to compose a new story for them. It begins with the birth of a new people and the choices they will have to make, the people they will decide to become. He introduces the villain, Wyatt, says there will be a killing, this time by choice. Officially announces his retirement. And this is where we see Dolores come out of the crowd.
1: And this is where we see Bernard say, these violent delights have violent ends.
2: hmm So, I mean, that's amazing that he told them all of that. That's essentially his thesis of what he's been working on. And the truth is all in there that he's making it for them because humans can't change, but these hosts can. And this new storyline is for them. He says at one point, a prison of our own sins, which I think is a line we heard from Peter Uh Abernathy back in episode one. That's right. And he also says they'll have to to be these people, whoever they decide to become. And we heard him telling Dolores that. And she comes out now, and she shoots him in the back of the head.
1: Oof, that, was Ford. A, that was a good shot, too. They, they showed us the hole in his head
2: mm-hmm. as he falls.
1: Oh. We saw that coming, though. Yeah. She was very confident the way she walked. She had no remorse when mm-hmm. she was doing it. I think what was key to this scene was Teddy, the way he was looking around and remembering, again, that scene where he killed everyone. Mm -hmm. And he was the one that had some remorse. Like, I know what's going down. I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah. Because he's the hero, right? Yeah. Bernard's sitting back because he knows. I don't know what Bernard, he's kind of sat back this whole episode. It's it's
2: weird that he was there Mm -hmm. out and about.
1: Yeah, how come Dr. Ford didn't even... Yeah, before we saw the scene with him and Dr. Ford, I was like, he's just walking around freely. Dr. Ford doesn't know he's alive again. But then we see the scene where they're interacting and Dolores said, I'd like you to meet Bernard.
2: So he did bring him back, even though he said he wasn't going to do that. Well, he
1: didn't bring him back. Felix
2: did. Well, right. He allowed it to continue. He allows him to be there.
1: So that was his goodbye to Bernard. Yeah. Last episode. And then, but he knew, well, I guess he knew he'd be brought back because he knew Maeve was going in there. Yeah. Because Maeve was. That's
2: what I mean. He knew that was going to happen. He allowed yeah. it to happen. Maybe he just needed his own personal goodbye knowing that he was going to be taken out shortly thereafter. Right. Uh, so like we said, the big question, will we see him come back in any capacity next season as a host or is this really the end?
1: I love where we see the host come out of the woods kind of trapping everyone. Like, you can't run away.
2: Yeah. Dolores fires on the crowd, and then simultaneously, we see the man in black. He was standing outside on the outskirts of the forest, Mm -hmm. smoking a cigarette, doing whatever he was doing over there.
1: Drinking. He wasn't
2: into it. And then he saw the people approaching out of the woods slowly, getting ready to ambush. And this is like, you said a smile came over his face, as though he was putting it all together and Mm -hmm. seeing what was happening. And then... Clementine comes out of the bunch and shoots him.
1: Out from cold storage. Just an amazing ending. Right in the arm. And this Mm. is finally what the man in black was looking for. Yeah. And he's happy now. He's not going to die. We'll see him next season. I wonder if he'll be captured.
2: I don't know. He's certainly going to keep his stakes in the park. He's certainly going to change his tune that he knows he owes a lot of this to Ford. Because the old yes. narratives that were there really turned out to not be satisfying. And this is what he wants. Well, the board's so, dead.
1: Maybe Hale makes it out. But Dolores just started popping people off.
2: Yeah. Well, there's got to be other people still that weren't at this party. Some true. level of Lee board. wasn't there. That's true. Lee wasn't there. He
1: was in cold storage. Huh. With the empty room. Yep. So, so yeah, so, I mean, Ford be won't dead. be
2: around anymore, and mm-hmm. all of this is going to change. But if there is any level of needing to keep things going, mm-hmm. I mean, he's certainly into it. <laughs> he's loving what's happening here. Um, and just as a little bonus, there was an after scene after the regular episode ended. It came up with Armistice, who was still stuck in that doorway. And a team coming after her, and she cut her own arm off. They tried to stop her. She smiled and walked away.
1: And you can hear Hector shooting people in the background too. Mm-hmm. So they're they're not gone, which is great. Next season's going to be insane.
2: Yeah, it's definitely got you excited. We said this season would have to answer a certain degree of questions that we've been asking at. For a while now. And, and I think the big ones they did. But also, if you're going to move that quickly and have so much action and answer all of that, how do you set yourself up to still be excited for season two? I think they did a beautiful job of that. Very well done. The critic says, the bicameral mind brings Westworld's first season to an explosive end while opening up a brave new world to explore in season two.
1: Hmm. I wonder if he was actually, was he being literal there? Talking about the samurai? Or was he being figuratively?
2: Uh, maybe both.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we wanted Dr. Ford to be good. And in the end, he was good. He didn't kill Arnold because we were worried that. Mm-hmm. And all of this is in the host's best interest. Yes. He did this for the host. He hates humans. So I'm going to chalk him up as a good guy in this
2: Yeah, but he doesn't really like the outside world either. So what is the main goal of allowing them to potentially break out and get free to what? Like he doesn't think it's better out there. He kept saying, you're safe here with me.
1: Yeah, you're right.
2: And now he's not there anymore, we don't think, to take care of them. And they're being thrown out. They have to become new people and enter a new world. But I guess he thinks that's the journey and that's the next step and they need to take it. And they, they deserve to do that, even if it's going to involve a level of pain and suffering. Yeah. All of that being said, we're not going to talk about the whole season yet. Our feelings on the season, we'll do that in the bonus cast. But this episode, what did you think about it? What is your reverie rating?
1: Nine point nine 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 nine. I really enjoyed it. It didn't feel too long, even with the pausing and the rewinding. Nothing was like, what? Why did they do that? Nothing yeah. was disappointing. I'm more excited, believe it or not. I'm a little upset that we have to wait a year, but this was perfect. It was a perfect ending to this sculpture of a, a season.
2: I absolutely agree with the exception of I did want to see Maeve leaving on that train rather than coming oh, of back. Of course. But I also give it a 9.9. I was thoroughly satisfied with how they wrapped everything up. The way that they told the story combined with the action, the character development. I thought it was really great.
1: Don't forget, we got Peter out there.
2: I, that's probably what I'm most excited to see in season two. I hope we open up on him in episode one in the brave new world that he's discovering.
1: I do have to say, I was worried about the William storyline, William and Logan and Dolores. And I did say that's probably the slow burn. That was the ying to the yang of what was happening with everyone else. And it paid off tremendously. Their storyline was epic.
2: And they brought it up to speed quickly, Very quickly in this finale. That leads me to my MVB of the episode. Because I have not given it yet to mm-hmm. her this season, I will give it to Dolores. <laughs> as this was certainly her episode from start to finish, past and present. The not-as-real awakening in the journey with Arnold and how that exposed us to his character, who he really was while he was alive. Without her story, we wouldn't have gotten that. Right. To the present where she is, it seems, truly becoming woke. Yes. And with Ford's new narrative. So I thought
1: she shined. I I put Dolores as well. Oh, nice.
2: (laughs) No, that's good. I didn't know you were picking her.
1: So... Look, I think she really is woke now. There was no music playing to make her do it. She decided it on her own. She was by herself. She had her own narrative voice. Yes. Narrative voice. She's really woke. And I think, even though you're sad about it, I think the fact that Maeve turned back around and went back in makes her woke because I don't think that was written in her narrative because there was okay. no reason for that whole thing.
2: That's a good point.
1: Dr. Ford had them as, well, mainly her, but also Hector and Armistice there as his backup to a backup Mm. to go out there. There's got to be some code in her, something where he needs her to be out there for something. I like that. But you were saying, why did Felix do that? That was something that Dr. Ford did not plan on happening. Mm -hmm. And if she was just purely following code, even Bernard said, then she leaves. We didn't get the, fin- the end of that sentence, but when he was reading her timeline. Right. to the mainland. So she changed the timeline.
2: Mainland, again, weird wording on that. True. Is this an island? We talked about oh, the fact yeah. that Delos back in Greek mythology was the floating island. <laughs> and the way they've been referencing kind of like <clears throat> going here and then going back home, the employees that work and getting their leave and um, felt a little bit like... <clears throat> people in the military and being separated geographically. So I don't think we're on a different world, a different planet or a space station, but we could be on an island.
1: Yeah, you might be right. So I think she's hashtag woke as well. We got two hosts that are really woke. I think Bernard is is in in pieces. I don't think he has gained his footing again yet, but I'm hoping he does.
2: Yeah, what is his storyline going to be now next season? Without Ford, without tying into Dolores.
1: His storyline is going to be. Oh my God. All right. So Ford creates a new Arnold Mm -hmm. in the manner of Bernard. If our listener is correct, a new Dr. Ford Ford. is being created. Now Bernard will be cultivating the new Ford.
2: Right. Teaching him, bringing him up. Full circle. Yeah. So
1: that might be what he's doing next season. Um, and and maybe, it might take a whole season for four to come out.
2: They both need to be hosts in order to assist the hosts that are trying to break out That's and actually do it with them or something.
1: Maybe the saying, the maze wasn't meant for you, yeah. has more meaning to it that we don't know yet.
2: Yeah, they had to become hosts to really join in that journey. Yeah. Oh, so much to think about and be excited for. We're definitely going to talk about that more overall feelings about the season, questions and predictions for next season on our bonus cast, our last episode. Mm -hmm. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We have just a little bit more to talk about here. We had discoverwestworld.com. Our last issue 110 was a special one. They advised us to please visit the DLO security panel for an important message regarding security breach at the Mesa. Do not be alarmed. The situation is under control, but we need all current staff members to check into the system. You will need to use your exclusive administrative password in order to access this secure message. And of course, within those letters, they had grayed out certain letters so that you could get the password, which adds up to reverie. And you go in to d Sync and enter that, and you get a kernel panic.
1: Kernel panic.
2: You get a readout on the screen (laughs) saying it's not syncing, watchdog detected, hard lockup. Auto-remove wake function was on there. There was a lot of lines, but that was one of them, which I thought was interesting. Okay. And then K-thread, and then child RIP.
1: Rest in peace, child.
2: So are we talking... Arnold's child? Are we talking Maeve's child?
1: Well, in computer terms, a child is different. With my coding... Oh, tell me. What is a child? Oh. Um, all right. With CSS styling, it's the DOM. It's Document Object Model. Okay. I don't know if I can go into this.
2: Oh, you don't have to go so heavy, So basically, but-
1: there's there's the code. Let's say you have a div that says, okay, div body. Okay? so And then inside that div... Is a div that says, let's just say header. Okay. So that div is inside the div body. The div body is the parent of the div header. Okay. So conversely, the div header is the the child. child of the div body. And then you have, if there's another thing inside, another div inside of the body but not inside of the header, those are siblings.
2: The okay. header
1: and whatever other div.
2: So this is just regarding the computer.
1: So that in my system. in the code I know that's what the child means. Okay. Child could also mean something else in code and um you know JSP or you know other kinds of X code all that stuff.
2: Okay, so you don't think those lines have anything to do with our storyline? The remove wake function, I think the child, RIP. It's just computer systems. I don't systems.
1: think child is.
2: Okay, so nothing to do with our storyline, just just the coding and the computer aspect of it. But that was really cool. They gave us another interactive piece on the website. You could actually see it kind of crash and the security breach come up, and so they're, they're playing with us a little bit here too. Well, that's everything we have for episode 10 other than our Clatcher's comments.
1: I want to send a huge thanks to Oren and Torsten, for donating to us, they went to our website and they clicked on the donate tab. Th- these, these are first donations we've ever had. We've had that tab up for three years now. Yeah. We don't even <laughs> talk about it because we just gave up on it. I forgot we had it. Uh huh. And they 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 donated money to us, so we really appreciate that. It really helps us out. And Oren wrote on the subject line, "This rounds on me," which I thought was so perfect.
2: Oh, thank you so much. That's amazing.
1: Also, while we're giving thanks, I want to give thanks to all the Clatchers who have signed up for our Patreon page. Mm. We haven't talked about it on the podcast because we, we released it midweek. We now have a Patreon page.
2: Yay! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we're going to do our best to make it um, an epic page for the Clatchers who sign up. There's so many things that you can get being a patron. 10% off anything that we make in the store.
2: Yep, any That's merchandise.
1: forever 10% off. We're going to do bonus. Cast. So after this cast, we're going to record for another 15 minutes. And after every cast, we're going to record for 15 minutes. It may not be specifically about the show we're going over, although there will be things about it. It might be other things that we talk about, other shows, other movies that we're just interested in. And maybe some just BSing like our old school CKC podcasts.
2: Yeah, we're going to try to pull out some bloopers, some outtakes to mix in there for you. The big one that we have discussed Mm -hmm. is we are going to be doing the once a month movie review podcast. That is starting up very soon. So if you sign up for that level, you will get a movie cast every month. We are going to keep the main TV review podcast free. And having this Patreon will hopefully help us to do so. So that any shows you want to listen to, we're going to Sherlock next. That is confirmed. We don't know where we'll be after that, but you will still be able to get that free by the support of all these lovely people that are signing up for Patreon.
1: So we already have three Clatchers that signed up and we really appreciate it. Thank you guys for signing up and we got good things coming for you. Christina, you're talking about Sherlock. If you're listening to us on our Westworld channel, Mm -hmm. don't worry, you won't miss anything. All you have to do is search in your podcatcher, whatever podcast feeder you're on, just search Coffee Clatch Crew and there you'll see our main channel. It's, a, it's the, the dude with the microphone Yep. that has everything we ever record as far as the free podcast. So subscribe to that and you won't miss it.
2: Yeah, I know some of you only subscribe to the show you're currently watching. So you subscribe to the Westworld CKC or the Mr. Robot CKC. Just go on the regular Coffee Clatch Crew, subscribe there and you will always get it.
1: And that just reminded me, we talked about Patreon. If you want to go to our Patreon page, go to (laughs) coffeeclatchcrew.com. And you'll see there, you'll see our store, you'll see our other channels, you'll see our newsletter that you can sign up for, and you'll see a a huge link, bright orange, you can't miss it, to our Patreon page. I want to give a shout out to Dash Wright and Harold JL for giving us awesome reviews on our channel. Keep them coming, we really appreciate it. It means so much to us that you guys are involved and and how much you guys are digging this, so just keep it coming. Dash Right, email us your info if you want us to check out your cast. We definitely want to check it out. We saw what you wrote, and we're listening.
2: As an aside note to that, shout out to all of the podcasters who have done Westworld reviews. I know that there's been a lot. It has been some steep competition, but there have just been such great podcasts being put out there recently, and they're doing wonderful things too. And that's why we especially appreciate you sticking around here with us at CKC because there are so many options. Um, That means you like what you hear, and we really appreciate that. That's good to know.
1: I got one Twitter At Yoli C wrote, this is a story of creation of new AI man. Parallels Bible creation story of human man. Dolores is Eve and Westworld is Eden.
2: Jason, have you been going through the emails? (laughs) It's funny. This sounds like an email that we got.
1: I let you cover the emails. There's a (laughs) lot of reading and a lot of writing. (laughs) The
2: email that we got from Rashad says, this is telling the origin of man. People we think are humans are the gods, and the robots they are creating are what humans will eventually become. When a robot can recall a prior storyline where they died, that is the essence of what reincarnation is, and recalling a past life. When robots have dreams, they are actually being tinkered with by the gods. The reason we connect so much with the, quote, humans of the show is because we are created in God's image. So the robots will eventually become human and act just like the gods do. It's like simulation theory on a broad scale. Joe Rogan and Duncan Trussell did a podcast and talked about simulation theory, and he gave us the YouTube link for that. But I told him that for sure you listen to tons yeah, of Joe I Rogan podcasts. Joe Rogan.
1: So, Yeah, and he's right. I do remember that episode. I think he's he's absolutely right. Um, I have to listen to it again, though. It's been a while. There's <clears throat> Joe Rogan's podcasts are three hours long, and he does like three of them a week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I definitely am going to check that out and listen to it again.
2: So we mentioned a lot of the other people writing in earlier. Both Sam and Michael wrote in about the Maeve and the full rebuild, why she was being sent back down. Oren wrote in about the Dolores equals Wyatt. Carrie and Rich wrote in about Ford being able to rebuild the town and the fact that it was, in fact, dug up and made new for the new narrative and he would have had time to do so. And finally, we had a write-in from Liz. I won't talk about the first part that she said, because we got that proved otherwise on this last episode. Um, but she also talked about the absurdity of existence and placing Ford as God and the host as Sisyphus in this Uh metaphor. So as they become sentient, they also realize they are doomed to roll the rock to the top of the mountain just to watch it come back down again forever. Is death the only escape from such a fate, or should one learn to accept the mundanity of their existence? Or do you accept your fate and then revolt? It seems the three characters represent each option that was written about in the essay The Myth of Sisyphus. Dolores has accepted her fate but believes in a transcendent world where she might find meaning in it, The man in black is planning suicide, and Maeve is in full revolt, the only option that was endorsed to give life meaning. Um, The only thing I don't know about there is is, uh, M.I.B. planning suicide. It was more like Ford planning suicide, but pretty right on with the rest of it. And yeah, the parallels just continue. We heard about Michelangelo in this episode as well. Um, Even Dolores talked about being stuck inside of the garden. So that was really great. And if we missed anybody, I know a lot of those comments doubled up. So those were the general ideas. Thank you to everybody that wrote in.
1: What a season.
2: That was incredible. Like we said, we will go more into the season thoughts in general on our bonus episode. So if you do have any final thoughts on the season as a whole, please feel free to write into us again this week and we'll try to cover that.
1: Thank you again to all of our Clatchers who help us by just conversing with us joining our patreon following us on twitter at ckc podcast joining our newsletter donating you guys are kicking ass and we really really appreciate it
2: we hope you stay with it and follow us into the next show and please don't skip out before the bonus episode make sure you listen because we think there might be something special in store for that as well
1: until next week this rounds on me this round is on me (laughs) Try again.